Greetings to all my cool cats and cool kittens. They try to copy our style, but they stay frostbitten. You are now tuned into the sounds of CFRE 91.9 FM and on the World Wide Web at CFREradio.com. It is your man, DM Cool, and welcome to The Cool. What we doing? Yes, yes, yo. Welcome to the show. Once again, you are tuned to CFRE 91.9 FM and on the World Wide Web at CFREradio.com. It is your man, DM Cool, and this is Cool Radio. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! on the air right now because we have a lot to get to on today's show. Ladies and gentlemen, today's show feels more like fight night because we have a lot of, you know, beefs to get to, so to speak. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Drake versus Meek Mill on the card. We have Ghostface Killer versus Action Bronson on the card. We have Nicki Minaj versus Taylor Swift on the card. It is about to be a problem today, ladies and gentlemen. But before we get to that, we also have some guests on the show. Later on around the 815 mark, we have my man who is the co-host of One on One on TSN Radio. My man Will Strickland will be calling in. But we also have another guest calling in, and he's on the line right now. He is an R&B artist out of Ottawa, Ontario, the 613, a.k.a. Cap City. Shouts to my man Goliath Paw. You know, whoa, and this guy is about to make headlines wherever he goes from this point forward. He goes by the name of Emmerich. Emmerich, welcome to the show. What's up, Mr. Cool, man? How you doing? I, I'm good, man. How you feeling? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you for having me, man. It's hey, great. thanks for calling, man. Thanks for calling, man. We're going to uh, chop it up a little bit if that's okay with you. No doubt, no doubt. Absolutely, man. So a lot of people don't know that you actually were born and raised in Paris, and then you moved to Ottawa. So how was the adjustment for you uh, like that growing up? Yeah, basically, uh, I was born and raised in Paris, France, and I mean, a little town called Gagny, you know what I'm saying? And uh, yeah, born and raised. Um, and then uh, at a certain point, you know, um, my mom made the decision that my brother and I, you know, we all moved to Canada, and obviously I was too young to you know, to go against it, you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. Um, so definitely we made that move. Um, the cool thing about it is that I already have family here in Canada. I had cousins that, uh, that you know, for, you know, in the summertime, once you've done school, you know, they came to Paris to spend the summer with us, mm-hmm. and we spent one summer there in Canada. So I was already uh, uh, acquainted with the whole Canadian culture. So after we made the move, um, yeah, we kind of, like, traveled around a couple of houses, and then I found myself in the... In the, six on, in the 613, and I've been here ever since, you know? Absolutely. And I don't think there's too much of adjustment as far as language goes because you're coming in from Paris and you're coming to Ottawa, and there are a lot of uh, – Ottawa is very uh, prevalent within uh, French speaking, so I don't think there was too much of a major adjustment that you had to make in, in that front. I mean, you are you are correct. However, um, you know, um, especially I was in the Quebec side for a little while, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. – just a quick little story I could tell you. One time I got um I got lost on the uh, no sorry I fell asleep on the bus. Oh man! So you know I got off the bus and I was trying to talk with a, a Quebecer, and it's just that accent is just different. 
than you know the people in France. You know what I mean? So ah. once uh, asked the gentleman, you know, can you help me with some direction? I heard him talk, you know, and I started laughing because I was, you know, I wasn't used to that, right? So mm-hmm. obviously he took it as a, as an insult, but I didn't mean to, you know. I, I was I just wasn't accustomed to it. So when I got home, I told my mom, like, whoa, how are these people talking around here, you know? Mm-hmm. And she was like, uh, she was like, yeah, you know, it's a different area and stuff like that. So, like, you know, it took me a little time like that. But, um, yeah, at the end of the day, you know, it's the same thing. Absolutely. Um, so I was really up on your, on your bio, actually, and you said you were influenced by groups like uh, Next and 112, just to name a few. So what was it about their styles that, that got you influenced? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, I spent um, kind of after... Soon after we, we moved, you know, I spent some time in Montreal. And, uh, you know, shout out to my cousin Sandra, beautiful big cousin Sandra. Mm-hmm. Um, she was into R&B also. So, you know, she got me into, um, you know, we used to rock those cassettes back then. I know it's a little <laughs> back in the day, you know what I mean? Yeah, but, uh, yeah. you know, with the A and the B side. But, yeah, um, yeah, she got me into it, man. She got me into the, um, she got me into the you know, 112, Next, Black Street, Case. You know, I wasn't really into the Jodeci then, you know, it was a little after that. But um, yeah, yeah, she yeah. got me to that, and she used to sing around in the house all the time. So I don't know if I picked that off her, but um, man, man, I've been a fan. I always loved the melodies and, you know, like the storytelling and everything. So that's, how I, that's pretty much how I got in touch with that. Absolutely. Now, I always say that there's always this direct correlation between music and sports and somehow they always tend to intertwine and with you it's no exception because not only were you into the singing but you're also into basketball as well um you know you play collegiately as well so like uh what was that like um you know during your adolescence yeah uh i played collegiately and also in a in um in a university level cia shout out to brand bobcats out in manitoba um to give my opportunity you know to make my dream come true but basically what happened was uh, when I was at the basketball, I, it pretty much takes, you know, I would say like 80, 85, 90% of your time. So mm-hmm. the music thing was kind of on the side. So, you know, I was doing a couple of joints here and there, and I didn't really have those connections back then also. So um, I put the music to the side. It just so happened that um, I ended up uh, touring my ACL about three years ago from now. Yeah, mm-hmm. about now, three years ago. So I told my ACL, so, you know, at that time, if ever anybody's been to this kind of injury, you just, uh, you're, you're, um, you're by yourself a lot of time, you know, you're alone, you're kind of down just because, you know, like, especially me being a person who likes to move a lot, you know, walk, go anywhere, you kind of like just stable. So at that time, you know, I just, you know, got back with the pen and the pad and there's just no time getting in touch with you know what I'm saying, emotions, stuff like that, things that I was feeling. Mm-hmm. And I just turned that into songs, you know what I mean? And then that's why once I get back up, I just kind of got back in, into the music and stuff like that. So it was a blessing and a curse at the same time. You know, it's a wonderful thing. Absolutely. I was just about to ask you if you saw that as a blessing in disguise, but you pretty much uh, clarified that. Um, mm-hmm. So let me ask you about your uh, about your single now. Um, so makes me sad. Um, what was the yeah. inspiration behind that? That's a funny thing. You know, like it kind of like has a, has a double side to the story. You know what I mean? Like uh, it's not... Um, it's it's about kind of like uh it's about kind of um, um experiences that you go through but basically the the point of the song really what it is is that um it's uh, basically being in a relationship with someone you know what I mean and then you just accept the fact that uh you guys cannot just be together you know what I mean sometimes it just happens and it's uh it's just uh you run out of love or it just it just doesn't work out mm-hmm. but basically instead of hating that person you just accept the fact that you know they're not going to be happy with you. 
so you're happy for them that they're going to find happiness somewhere else. But you're just still kind of sad that it is that happiness cannot be, you know, they cannot feel that happiness with you. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, it's, 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 it's a little deep, but I, what I mean is that my point with that is just that, uh, yeah, it's just something that's not really talked about. You know what I mean? You don't really talk about that side of the story. You know, it's always about like there's a breakup mm-hmm. and then you feel upset and stuff like that. But they never really talk about, you know, people like, okay, you know what I'm saying? You with somebody else, you know, I respect that and I'm happy for you. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm just kind of sad that you can't be happy with me. You know what I mean? So that's pretty much, you know, the, the whole point of the song. Fair enough, fair enough. It's almost like a like a bittersweet narrative, but I totally get it though. Um, so we're gonna play that joint um, in a couple of minutes, but before we do and before we mm-hmm. let you go, uh, we definitely gotta play a game with you, man. We definitely gotta play a game with you. This game oh, right sure, here, sure. it's like a mainstay on the network, and this game I like to call "I'd Quit the Game." Every second, every minute, man, I swear that she can get it. Now, in an alternate universe, you are the eligible bachelor, okay? Um, okay. So you're jet flying, jet flying style and profile and all that good stuff. But you've got to quit the game and sell it down with that one woman. All right. So okay. because you are a '90s kid, we're definitely going to give you the '90s edition of this game. So if you okay. had to quit the game for one of these two R&B divas who were hot during the '90s, who would you quit the game for? Would it be for Faith Evans or would it be for Monica? Ah, uh, uh. There's no wrong I'm answer. A, <laughs> no, no doubt, no doubt. Man, she's as old as she is. She's beautiful. I, I gotta go with Faith. You know what I mean? I'm a big Biggie fan too, so mm-hmm. my bad, my bad to big, but you know what I'm saying? She, Biggie baby. If I quit the game, I go with Miss Miss Evans for sure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, man. Hey, Emmerich, it was great talking to you. Um, before you go, where can the people find you on social media? Yeah, perfect. Uh, thank you for having me once again. You know, it's your boy Emmerich representing Six One Three. Shout out to all my people in Toronto. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. It's the same as Emmerich Ravier altogether. E-M-E-R-I-C-K-R-A-V-I-E-R. Altogether, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Absolutely. Once again, Emmerich, thank you for calling in. And we'll definitely got to get you in the studio next time you touch down in Toronto, all right? For sure, for sure. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, my brother. Take care. Peace. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, that was uh, my man Emmerich, and we will be playing one of his joints right now on the air called Makes Me Sad. And when we come back, we have the basketball guru, the American-Canadian himself, Mr. Will Strickland. He will be calling in, and we'll be discussing ball, hip-hop, and a whole lot more. So keep it locked. We'll be right back after these messages. Yeah. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. You are now tuned into CFRE 91.9 FM and on the World Wide Web at CFREradio.com. It is your man, DM Cool. And welcome back to Cool Radio. Uh, once again, big shout out to my man, Emery, for calling in just now. Uh, we just played his single, Makes Me Sad. Make sure you go check that out. Uh, make sure you go follow him on Twitter, Emmerich, Emmerich Revier. All right. Now, as promised for my next guest, all right. I consider this man uh, to be a man of many talents, all right? He is a guru in basketball and a guru in hip-hop, all right? One of the most wisest individuals I have ever had the honor of meeting, and I am so glad to have him on my show via call-in. Uh, he is the co-host of the one-on-one podcast on TSN Radio, and he is also the main event of the Parts Unknown Tour, all right? And he has guest starred many times on NBA TV Canada's The Hangout. Ladies and gentlemen, I am talking about the self-proclaimed American-Canadian, my man, Will Strickland. Will, how's it going, man? Will, you there? 
Damn, you hear me? I hear you loud and clear, brother. How you doing? Good, good. I'm great, man. And the the great thing about that intro is the check is in the mail. Yeah. Good. <laughs> It's good. Oh, man, I love it. I love no, it. I, I got to give you a it. cool drop for that, man. That <laughs> the check is in the mail. I love it. Oh, man, everything's good, though? Absolutely. Maintaining on my Parts Unknown tour. Uh, you know, I do that quite often throughout the year, and, and it's fun. You know, I have friends who pay attention to what I do on Twitter if I'm in the airport and just tripping out in the airport. But, uh, no, it's good, man. You're enjoying the summer and, and doing a lot of things before the season starts to kick in and, and – uh, getting ready for one-on-one this year. Hopefully we're on TV as well as uh, on the radio. Absolutely, man. I would love to see like a simulcast of that show because it's a great podcast that explains a lot about what's going on in the basketball community, not just in America, but Canada as well. So I definitely hope you get that deal. Well, we're looking forward to it, man. I appreciate it. My pleasure, man. Now, let's let's start off with how it all began, man. I mean, again, you call yourself the uh, American-Canadian. So how did your uh, journey from America to Canada begin? Actually, trademarked that, so I'm suing everybody who uses it. <laughs> you included. Oh man, so. I just introduced you, brother. <laughs> no, um, that's a really long story, but I'll tell you in short that Absolutely. initially, when I came to Canada, it was trial for this this basketball team called the Toronto Raptors. You may have heard of them. Oh I'm yeah, sure. you know, it rings a bell. <laughs> okay, so you know this is way back when they first started in 1995, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, a lot of things happened, didn't um, make the team, didn't pa- pass my physical because of a bad left knee. Mm-hmm. Um, but I fell in love with the city. And eventually, a couple of years later, uh, met a woman when I was teaching my course. I created and taught the world's first university accredited course on hip hop culture mm-hmm. at the University of Massachusetts called uh, Edutainment The Impact of Hip Hop on American Culture. Mm-hmm. And was teaching an online course and, you know, these people, I couldn't see these people, but this woman I talked to almost every day who's asking me about Slick Rick and different artists, and I'm giving her books to read and stuff like that. And after four months, one day she goes, you know, I asked her if she had read this story about someone. She goes, yeah, I did, but let me ask you something. By the way, would you happen to want to know my name? <laughs> so I talked to this woman because I was all about what I was doing. I was all about my work. Yeah. And that changed the dynamic of our relationship, and then... I was at a Knicks game, and I met a guy uh, who worked in an ad agency in Toronto who was like, hey, man, you, I really like having this conversation with you. You have your own company. We do something similar. I said, well, throw some work to me, and, and we did that, and I came in on time and under budget with everything. Mm-hmm. He offered me an opportunity to come to Toronto, and, uh, you know, the world conspired the way it was supposed to because I was dating this woman at the time who was from Toronto, and with his job, it just made sense, so... I came back to Toronto in 2001, and, and pretty much after living back and forth between Toronto and New York for uh, about seven years, mm-hmm. in 2008, I made it more permanent when I became the first American president of the Urban Music Association of Canada. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the rest is history. Just once I got here and just, like, li- really look at the, at the landscape of what I could do. It's all about real estate. Absolutely. If you can create the kind of property on the real estate that, that's available that people are going to gravitate to and, and they want to be a part of, then you'll be okay. And I just, I did that when I got here, you know, and looking at everything that I've done from, you know, all balls don't bounce with uh, Dwayne Watson and, and Morgan Campbell um, from Toronto star. When we first started that, 
you know, and it was a, a, a sports podcast about the story behind the story. Mm-hmm. So we wouldn't talk in a linear fashion about the Jays lost to the Yankees five to four. We talked about how Uganda was a new like Dominican Republic for these baseball academies that wanted cheap labor mm-hmm. and uh, talk about stuff like that. So it was cool. We used to call ourselves the weapons of media deconstruction. Mm-hmm. Will D- Morgan and Dwayne WND. So, you know, it was a big deal. And uh, that spawned all this other stuff. And that's how we got to one-on-one really more than anything is that net- networks came to see us. Mm-hmm. We didn't go after the networks because we created the content. We created an opportunity and, Sooner or later, they're going to gravitate to you. You know, it's like uh, what was it, the Kevin Costner line in, in uh, Field of Dreams, or was it Ray Liotta who said that to him? I can't remember who said it. <laughs> if you build it, they will come, and yeah. eventually they did come. So now we're at TSN uh, every Saturday mm-hmm. with the news, views, and truths that you choose on the NBA and beyond. It's one on one with Will and Wayne only on TSN ten fifty. Very good. I, I love the plug-in right there. I love the plug-in. I'm not even mad at that, man. I got. I haven't got to give that cool one time yet. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, um, let me ask you this, man. Uh, apart, uh, sorry, apart from basketball, you're also an educator of hip-hop culture. And one of the things that always fascinates me is between the basketball world and the hip-hop world is that they always intertwine. So in your humble opinion, why is it that these two are so synonymous with one another? Well, basketball is a game you can play by yourself. Mm-hmm. You can't play baseball. You can't play football by yourself. Basketball, you can go out and just shoot all day. Yeah. And the culture of hip-hop culture is like a thing that spawned organically from a lack of having things. Mm-hmm. If you think about basketball in the inner city, not so much like in the suburbs or you know, in, in Milan, Indiana, where you did the Hickory basketball team and Hoosiers or something. But, yeah, you know, even those guys, how you start out is playing by yourself. Mm-hmm. And this culture is about the individuals, about expression. And in the city, inner city, you know, those things kind of conspired. The, the park jams were right at the park, whether it's basketball. You know, basketball's going on right next to where the guys are up rocking and, and doing head spins and stuff. Mm-hmm. It just inspired to work together. I mean, all the rappers want to be basketball players. All the basketball players want to be rappers. Yep, yep. You see that in professional level right now, too. So it's always been a part of the culture in the inner city. And it was just natural. You see a guy like Allen Iverson, who was the first, like, I guess, iteration of the confluence between hip-hop and or the ethos of hip-hop mm-hmm. and basketball the kind of street level basketball, kind of that that cool swagger basketball yeah, the, the edge that was brought from the streets. But with this guy, if you think about it from a modern standpoint, I, I'm I'm sure there are a bunch of other people that I can talk about from the '70s that your listeners probably wouldn't even know. Mm-hmm. Um, no disrespect to them, I just want to stay a little bit more relevant to modern times. But Allen Iverson, from a you know social media standpoint, yeah, because we are in the social media age, is that guy. So when you think about it. You know, um, it's always been here. Like, you look at him, the tattoos, the braids. Mm-hmm. You know, they created the dress code because of Allen Iverson. Exactly. Because he's all about, I need to be identified as who I am. I think that hip-hop culture was a part of identifying yourself in a public space in a way that you couldn't if you had a square job or, or you know, someone else was trying to dictate to you how you should express yourself. So, mm-hmm. 
you know, I think these things come together naturally because of the want and desire to be free and expressive in the way you like to do it. Absolutely. And um, you coming from New York to Toronto, like what are the similarities that you see in terms of uh, the hip-hop culture? Oh, man, I mean, Toronto's like a cleaner, smaller New York, you know, and what a lot of people fail to understand is in the mid-'80s, early to mid-'80s, Toronto was one of the big hubs and stops for rap music and hip-hop culture early on with the early tours, Mm -hmm. you know? There were no big tours sponsored by Live Nation back in the day. Mm-hmm. Guys had to do it the way they did it. And most of the guys went up and down the eastern seaboard. But that first international experience came in with the Ron Allens and those guys of the world in the mid-'80s. You know, mm-hmm. Ron is, is teaching at Dork University right now, mm-hmm. of course, on hip-hop culture. He was one of those guys that, if you think about Bismarck, he and Big Daddy Kane, the whole Juice crew coming up, or even BDP, they were really instrumental. Yeah, You know, you talk to Wes Williams, Metro Fresh West, mm-hmm. he'll tell you. Like, I met Wes. At, at, uh, in Brooklyn, handing out 12 inches because he was really hungry. Yeah. So that relationship has always been there. I mean, there are similar cities in that way. And I think that, you know, the powers that be can control to some degree how the culture looks in Canada. Mm-hmm. But one thing you can't do is kill an idea, right? Mm-hmm. So if they, tomorrow, if they banned rap music and hip hop culture, because there is a difference between rap and hip hop. Yep, yep. Hip hop is not music, hip hop is a culture. Absolutely. But um, to quote the, the famous, famous Negro poet, Lawrence Christopher Parker, rap is something you do, hip-hop is something you live, KRS-One. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you look at it, um, with, 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 with hip-hop and with rap in Canada, like, there are people who are instrumental in building this thing and having their voices kind of neutered by the powers that be that, it's a little bit disappointing, but you find that more and more, um, this culture is all about, like I said, if, if it was banned tomorrow mm-hmm. and there was no more rap music, no more hip hop culture, there'd still be a kid standing in Rexdale and at Jane and Finch and, you know, Parkdale mm-hmm. and Malvern, wherever it is, in their mom's mirror, locked with the bathroom, the bathroom door locked mm-hmm. with a, brushing their hand, standing in the mirror, rapping lyrics. That's their ACC. Mm-hmm. That's their, you know, that's their motion amphitheater. That's their 20,000 cheater. There's no tour on the line. There's no money on the line, no videos, nothing. They do it because it's love. If, you know, you have a kid in Brazil who comes out of Capoeira to practice and he sees his friends dancing in the streets to some samba music and he starts up-rocking, mm-hmm. that's hip-hop culture. That's love. You know, if, if if you couldn't find a video um, of, you know, a half-naked woman <laughs> on top of a $400,000 car, you know, uh, that they don't even own, that's mm-hmm. the, the, the idea of what they think hip-hop culture is and what rap music is. But if you ban all that stuff, there'll still be people somewhere in the world doing this because they love it. And so, you know, that's why I can never stay away from it. It's my heart and it's my life. You know, I don't necessarily agree with all the stuff that I hear and, and, and going on. I under, also understand that there's evolution involved in rap music and hip-hop culture. And I'm a part of that evolution as well. 
100%. I agree to that. Um, before we let you go, we have a, we like to play a little game with the guests every now and again, man. And you're no exception okay. to this. You're, you're going to play this game with us. Um, basically, you're going to give us your opinion on a whole bunch of random um, scenarios and topics that I'm going to throw at you, almost like rapid fire, basically. And uh, okay. we like to call this game Cool or Uncool. You with it? Cool. All right, let's do this. All right. Before before I, I get to the questions, can you tell me the name of this track that I got playing in the background right now? I can't even hear it. You can't even hear it? No. Oh man, okay. Let's see if I can turn it up a little bit louder for you. Let's see here. You hear that? Will you hear that? A little bit, I'm trying to You hear the horns? Oh yeah. Cool like that. There you go. Oh man, there you go. I knew you know that. I knew you know that. <laughs> yes, sir. Okay, here we go, man. So first, first scenario. Um, Damari Carroll signing with the Toronto Raptors. Cool or uncool? Cool. All right. Um, the press conference involving Lou Williams and Roy Hibbert um, following their signings to the Los Angeles Lakers. Cool or uncool? Mega cool. <laughs> Absolutely, I agree. Um, let's see here. Josh Smith signing with the Los Angeles Clippers for the uh, veteran, veteran minimum. Cool or uncool? Cool. All right. Um, DeAndre Jordan uh, with this uh, back and forth drama between the Lake, or uh, sorry, between the Clippers and the Mavericks. Cool or uncool? Um, slightly uncool. Okay. Uh, why uncool? Just curious. I, you know, I like a grown man who can make a decision and then deal with the result. Absolutely. But, I mean, you 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 know you can change your mind as well. So that's why I said slightly uncool. Mm-hmm. Um, the potential of Kevin Durant leaving Oklahoma City after next season. Cool or uncool? Very cool because he could come to his childhood favorite team, the Toronto Raptors. Kevin Wayne Durant, make that happen. Absolutely. Um, Demar Derozan's camp allegedly stating that he wants. 25 million annually cool or uncool mega uncool stop playing i understand people like get you get what you you can negotiate in this life yeah but stop playing all right so let me ask you this then um there are players out there because of the of the new uh cba agreement that are getting stupid amounts of money like ennis cantons getting 70 million uh you got reggie jackson detroit getting 80 million so if that's the case, then would it seem so far-fetched for DeRozan to be demanding that amount of money? Not really, but again, it's still nutty because these guys shouldn't be making that money again. I can't knock a guy for getting what he gets. Mm-hmm. I can't. But there's no way career backups and a guy who was on the bench in Utah six months ago just had $70 million in the bank. Agreed, agreed. Uh, what was I going to say? What was I going to say? I had one. Oh, the the argument between Shaq and Scottie Pippen on social media this past week about which team, which all-time team would win. Uh, Shaq stating that the Lakers would win by 50 points. Cool or uncool? Uber cool. Um, I don't know about 50 points, uh-huh. but they crushed them with that lineup they had. I think they would as well, especially at the front line. I mean, there's no... No one would have an answer for anyone on, as far as the forwards are concerned. So I agree with that. I don't agree with them saying 50 points, though, because, again, you have Michael Jordan on the other side of the court. They, Michael would ne- never let that happen. <laughs> um, That's what they say, but Michael Jordan's human, too. 
Say that again. I said that's what they say, but Michael Jordan's human too. He is. He is. I'm just. He saying wouldn't that. be coming down the lane without getting some body from Shaq and Kareem. Come on. There's no way. I agree, but I can't say 50 points though with MJ on the team, man. Like, yes, he's human, but it's Michael Jordan at the same time. <laughs> and then, well, what, and, oh no, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, I, 50 is nutty, but I understand why he said it too. Yeah, true. All right, and then uh, one more. Um, Meek Mill calling out Drake for uh, not writing his own lyrics, cool or uncool. Uh, you know what? It's a different age now, so I would say uncool. Really? I, I think, oh, okay, I okay, you, yeah, 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 uncool for me. Okay, check, right, right. If you check another man's pockets because you're mad that he's eating and you're not, or yeah. that he stepped your woman somehow, and you know, eh, hey, you you came up, you got an upgrade, Meek Mill. Be happy and shut it down, homeboy. Shut it down. <laughs> absolutely, man. Absolutely. Uh, Will, it's been a blast talking to you on the air, man. Next time, I definitely want to get you in studio for sure. Um, where can the people find you on social media? Well, you can find me um, on Twitter at Wall Strizzle and the number one. Mm-hmm. That's really it. I haven't gotten into my IG game yet. Maybe some, sometime soon. It took me forever to get on Twitter. So yeah. right now, just Twitter. And, and, of course, you know, I'm doing a tournament, a basketball tournament with my man, Bobito Garcia. Oh, okay. Full Court 21 in Vancouver and in Toronto. Vancouver is this weekend mm-hmm. um, in Richmond, B.C., Shop Arm Community Center. Yep. Find out more on Facebook. Just or just type in um, Full Court 21 Canada. You can find stuff there on the Internet. Um, and I'm looking forward to it, man. I mean, it's working with one of my best friends, doing something we love doing, which is basketball and incorporating hip-hop culture. So here we are again. And that's what's up, man. Uh, Will, once again, thank you for calling in, man. And much blessings to you in the future, especially with one-on-one. Shouts to Dwayne Watson on that as well, too, man. No doubt. Appreciate you having me. All right, man. Pleasure's on mine. Take care, brother. Take care. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, that was the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Will Strickland, a.k.a. Wall Strizzle. All right? So when we come back, it's time for Trip Talk, all right? We're going to get into the week's hottest stories and segments, and we're all going to break it down. And uh, to keep things uh, warmed up and energized with this whole Drake and Meek Mill situation, I figure why not play the two, or sorry, why not play the collaboration that kind of started this in the first place, all right? Off of his latest album, Dreams Money Can't Buy, this track is called Rico featuring Drake, all right? So keep it locked. We'll be right back after these messages. Yeah. Yes, yes, yo, welcome back to the show. You're now tuned into CFRE 91.9 FM. It is your man, DM Cool. And welcome back to Cool Radio. That was Meek Mill featuring Drake with Rico off of his latest album, Dreams Money Can't Buy. Um, also, big shout out to my man, Will Strickland, for calling in uh, not too long ago before the commercial break. But uh, I think it's time where uh, we get into trip talk, all right? You already know how it goes, man. Three of the hottest topics that took place in the world of hip-hop and pop culture in general so let's get to it first and foremost um let's start off with raven simone all right now she was going to be the wankster this week but i decided to give her a pass because the wankster that i have in mind has yet to be a wankster this week so he's going to get that w and i'm not talking about the win neither um so raven was on the view once again and by the way i don't know why they hired her and basically she went on to say that The Black Lives Matter hashtag should be All Lives Matter. Now, 
There are a lot of people who say the same thing as well. However, those people fail to get a grasp of the concept behind Black Lives Matter. Now, first and foremost, all lives matter is self-explanatory to the point where it shouldn't even have to be a hashtag. Like we, we understand like all lives are important. That goes without saying. Black Lives Matter, the reason why that sparked a movement was because of the fact that so many black citizens within America were being killed unlawfully by the police. Well, first and foremost, it's never lawful to kill someone anyway, so pardon me and my rhetoric. But nonetheless, they were being killed by the police and brutalized by the police as well at that, at the very least, if anything. That is why that campaign started. So for people to, you know, encompass all lives matter into that takes away from the overall message of that movement and makes it it renders it powerless so to speak so that is why raven almost got the wankster because of the fact that she missed that concept altogether and i know she's trying to be you know we are all one race we are all this we're all that but you cannot deny the fact that things like this in our world, in our society, happened. The fact that blacks are being brutalized by the powers that be on a regular basis. You know, you you look at someone like Eric Garner. You look at people like Trayvon Martin, um, Tamir Rice. So many people. Uh, Sandy, who who allegedly committed suicide in a jail cell two days after she got arrested by the police, which I don't believe, by the way. They definitely did something to her, and the truth will come out eventually on that. But nonetheless. Black Lives Matter is a very important movement that shouldn't be overshadowed by an all-encompassing hashtag like All Lives Matter. No, it's all it's about it's about spreading awareness to the injustices that happen to black citizens in America. And that is a very pivotal hashtag that should be reverberated all throughout social media. So Raven, you're wrong for that. Uh, next on the docket. You know, something of a bit more uh, entertaining variety. Uh, we have Nicki Minaj versus Taylor Swift. Now, this one started when the VMA nominees were casted out for video of the year. And the nominees included Beyonce, Kendrick Lamar, Bruno Mars, Taylor Swift. All right. Now, if you notice, someone was missing from that uh, nominees list. And it was Nicki Minaj, in her eyes at least. Nicki Minaj felt as if she should have been nominated uh, for Video of the Year for her video for Anaconda. Now, it was nominated for Female Video of the Year, but of course that wasn't enough for her. So she went on a bit of a uh, a, uh, Twitter rampage and basically alluded that she was left out of that category because of, you know, racial injustices. All right? Now... She pulled the race card in stating that she was not nominated for for the video of the year in that category. But if you just listen to the names that I just listed, you know, according to MTV Brain Trust, of course, the majority of the names included people who aren't white. I mean, let's break it down if we have to. Beyonce, black. Kendrick Lamar, black. Bruno Mars, not white, okay? But in all honesty, from last I heard, he was Filipino. So, again, he's a minority. The only person who was not of color in that category was Taylor Swift. Now, because she put out that race card tweet, Taylor Swift thought it was a subliminal tweet to her, seeing as how she's the uh, 
ugly duckling in the bunch, so to speak. Of course, she's not ugly, though. I'm not. I'm just saying for for figure of speech purposes. Uh, but nonetheless, she went straight towards Nikki on Twitter and called her out for subliminally calling her out, nonetheless. And then the whole back and forth ensued between the two, uh, which resulted in Taylor Swift apologizing, and then Nikki accepted the apology, the apology, of course. But my thing is this: this isn't the first time that we've seen this from Nikki. Nikki has called the race card or drawn the race card rather when things don't go her way when she had the little tiff with uh, Iggy Azalea she called the race card on her and now she's doing it again i mean if if she had been nominated we would have we wouldn't even be talking about this right now same thing that happened uh last year when Iggy was getting all this clout and getting all this fame and notoriety and popularity because she was now the next um, head female rapper in charge in the eyes of the pop world. She was diving into Nikki's fan base and Nikki felt threatened, therefore using the race card as a way to bait her out, so to speak. So some people thought I was crazy or being a hater when she was doing this last year. But full circle now, she's doing this again. For what reason? You are in a category of a majority of minorities with one white person in there. Now, suffice to say, if she had won the category, then maybe, maybe you might be able to say something. But the fact of the matter remains, no one has won this category yet. Hell, Kendrick Lamar has even more chance of winning this category than anyone else does because he's nominated in that category twice, one for his own video and one for his feature with Taylor Swift for the song uh, Bad Blood. So who knows? Maybe he'll win it. And let's say if he does win it, are you going to call racism on that? So um, I'm sorry, Nicki Minaj, but we don't believe you need more people. And finally... Let's get to Ghostface Killer versus Action Bronson. Now, this one I did not expect to see happen because of, you know, the discrepancy within generation. You know, you have Action Bronson, who's a relative newcomer, versus Ghostface Killer, who's a legend. You know, let's just make that clear, all right? And in this situation, Wu-Tang Clan is nothing to F with. And you would think that Action Bronson, of all people, would recognize this. Now, Action Bronson has been known to, I wouldn't say bite Ghostface Killer, but he's been known to be heavily compared to him because of the intonation of his voice and even the style in which he raps it. He was on um, the cast of Sports Nation on ESPN uh, within the week, and and they normally bring on rappers or other celebrities, and they kind of bring the two worlds together in terms of sports and entertainment. So basically, they were talking about how, you know, he sounds so similar to Ghostface and this, that, and the third. And then Action Bronson decided that he had enough of the comparisons and said, oh, well, he ain't rapping like this no more. And that's when, you know, the storm started to brew. Ghostface Killer went on a video on YouTube and he just went in on, on Action Bronson. And one of the things that he said is that he will gut him like a pig. Now, of course, he meant that, you know, verbally, of course, you know, in the, in, in the rap context. Not literally, because then he'd be going to jail for that. Painfully obvious. Um, so, 
Action Bronson proceeded to apologize on Twitter, and kudos to him for doing that because he would have been a real wankster if he didn't. But Ghostface did not accept the apology. Now, my take on this. Um, Action Bronson, I understand that you get heavily compared to this guy a lot, and when it comes to rap, that comes with the territory. Shine got compared to Biggie so many times in his career. Fabulous got compared to Mace so many times in his career. Uh, even right now, Troy Ave is getting compared to 50 right now. I haven't heard Troy Ave, so I can't really, you know, confirm those comparisons. And every white rapper who has come out after Eminem gets compared to Eminem. Ironically, except for Action Bronson. I just realized that. But nonetheless, I feel like Bronson needs to learn a thing or two in humility. I think this just needs to blow by the breeze when it comes to him going forward because at the end of the day, you sound so similar to Ghostface in terms of your intonation and the style of your music that that should be the first thing that you should expect in an interview. So I don't know why you decided to blow your gasket off of this today. I don't know if you were having a bad day, if you know somebody was holding back some money on you. I don't, I don't know what it was, but you should have bit your tongue and had a slice of humble pie because Lord knows you eat everything that's in the fridge. Let's be real. But on that note, he quickly learned. He apologized. Ghostface did not accept the apology. That's his prerogative. He can do whatever he wants. That's the ghost. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't dare mess with the ghost and neither should Action Bronson. But anyways, that's just my take on it. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to uh, get old school with it for the Throwback Thursday track of the day. So on that note, let's uh, drop that real quick, shall we? As soon as I can find it. Old school track of the day. There we go. Here we go. Throwback Thursday track of the day. Here we go. I have no idea why it took me so damn long to find that drop. But nonetheless, we got through it. Um, So in the spirit of Ghostface, I figure why not go back into the crates and play one of his classic gems um, off of his 1996 album, Iron Man, uh, featuring Capadonna and Raekwon. I figure it's only right to play this track right here. This track is called Daytona 500. Um, I love the video. Uh, it had a speed racer theme to it. And uh, yeah, I'm just going to play the joint right now for you. And when we get back, we have the Wankster of the Week. And I think it's pretty obvious at this point in time that I'm giving the Wankster to Meek Mill. Uh, we're going to get into that story. But right now, uh, let's get old school with it. Keep it locked. This is Cool Radio. We'll be right back after these messages. Yeah. What's going on, people? It's your boy, Femi Lassen, and man, me. It's your man, Bo Pinto, at Bo Pinto. Jay Hood from the Toronto Argos. You are now tuned in. Cool! Cool! Radio 91.9 FM. It's an amazing interview. I had an amazing experience. I had an amazing time. The best radio show experiences I've had ever. Stay tuned for the hottest in news, hip-hop, entertainment, and everything. Every Thursday at 8 p.m. Big shout-out to DM Cool. Good vibes. Love you, man. You're famous. I love it. Yes, yes, yo, welcome back to the show. You're now tuned to CFRE 91.9 FM. It is your man, DM Cool. And welcome back to Cool Radio. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you already know what time of the show it is. I'm not going to waste it for you. It is Wankster of the Week. Now, as I spoiled before the commercial break, the Wankster of the Week is definitely going to Meek Mill, all right? So, by now, you guys are already caught up with what's happened, so I'm just going to 
you know, break it down briefly as to why he's getting the wankster. He is getting the wankster because he caused a Twitter storm of epic proportions. So basically, he got mad for a number of reasons. One, he got mad because of allegations that alluded to Drake and Nicki Minaj having a prior sexual relationship. All right. So that's one. Another reason why he got mad is because he found out that someone else had written his verse for their collaboration song, Rico, which we played earlier tonight. And three, he was mad at the fact or at the alleged fact that Nicki Minaj and Lil Wayne withheld that quote-unquote secret from him so he basically took the opportunity to just lash out on anyone and everyone on twitter last night and also the cherry on the top is he got mad at drake again because he made the allegation that drake did not support him while he was in jail nor did he support him with the release of his album by tweeting it all right mick mill you did the same thing with wale when he didn't tweet your album or your mixtape when it came out how, however long ago. So bad enough you did it to your own label mate. Now you're doing it to someone who's not even part of your camp in the first place. And if memory serves me correctly, on some of Drake, in some of Drake's performances, he is actually wearing a free Meek Mill t-shirt. So if that is a support, I don't know what is. Now, to sum all this up, uh, he went. He performed in Virginia last night for um, one of Nicki Minaj's tour stops, and he basically took the time to air out the situation, and then he proceeded to apologize for his actions towards Drake, and then, of course, he apologized to his girlfriend. Now, here's the thing. I don't know why rappers, first and foremost, get so emotional, especially the street ones. Um and like I alluded to just now, he did the same thing with Wale as far as calling him out for not, you know, tweeting about his album release. I mean, there's a lot of things that you could do to support a fellow artist. And tweeting doesn't have to be one of them. I mean, it could be one of them. If that isn't great. But overall, just because someone forget forgot to send a tweet about your album coming out or being it or it being released on that very day doesn't mean that you have to throw a hissy fit over it. So, Mick, that wasn't very street of you since that's what you claim to be. And secondly, him making allegations about Drake using a ghostwriter, let, let's get one thing straight. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the music industry, all right? No matter what genre of music you're in, rap, country, rock, whatever the case may be, at the end of the day, it's a business. You pay someone to write lyrics for you. Now, with Drake in this particular situation, I don't fault him for having a ghostwriter or if he gave credit to someone else. I don't care because at the end of the day, Drake hasn't made a mixtape in six years. And it's not like that verse went on a mixtape. It went on an album. Now, if this is a situation where Drake was uh, uh, perform or recording music for a mixtape, where in a sense, in a mixtape, you have creative freedom it's rap in its rawest and purest form this that and the third then i can see why someone would be upset about that but the fact of the matter remains is the fact that he is paying somebody to write lyrics for him so that he can perform them on a studio album and i have no problem with that at the end of the day there are so many artists within rap never mind any other genre of music within rap that artists have had their songs written for them. Dr. Dre has had his songs written by anyone and everyone in the industry. How many people or how many times have we heard people say, I wrote for Detox, I wrote for Detox? 
So many people. Drake wrote for Lil Wayne. Wale has written for, for Jay-Z. Uh, Snoop Dogg has written for Dr. Dre. So many people have been writing for others. So I don't see how this situation is any different. And at the end of the day, people are still going to buy Drake's albums. People are still buying, it, buying if you're not reading this, it's too late. And I guarantee when Views from the Six drops, that's going to go number one on the charts. So I don't know why Meek Mill is throwing a gasket over this because he doesn't need to. And I'm sure there have been artists who have written for Rick Ross's label boss. So the fact that Drake has had someone write his lyrics for him, it does not bother me at all one bit whatsoever. As long as he's paying the person who's writing it for him, then have at it. So Meek Mill, you're getting the wankster just for being a hater. So do you deserve this wankster? Of course. And on that note, we're going to drop it one more time just like this. Sorry, that was the wrong job. I don't know why I keep on getting the wrong job. Ladies and gentlemen, one more time. Uh, that play button's a little rusty, I tell you. But anyways, nonetheless, ladies and gentlemen, that is my